0: 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared. their brother and sister.
1: Thanks, Steve. That was, uh, thank you for reading the Bible. It was fantastic. It wasn't a great hearing um, just how you came to church. And uh, Wouldn't it be fantastic? That's everyone's experience who comes, that no one um, uh, misses out a warm welcome at this church because we are a family of God. And that's what we're thinking about today, being a child of God. So let me pray, and then we're going to get stuck into it together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come together and open up uh, your word and in it see who you are via your Son. And today as we do that and we contemplate what it means to be a child of God in Jesus, we pray our hearts are stirred with greater affection to the love you give us and our minds are challenged to live in light of it. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, quite obviously, there is this one reality that no one in this room can escape, is there? No one can deny. No one in all humanity can deny. We are all children to someone. It can be a source of great joy, it can be somewhere in the middle. And it sometimes painfully can cause heartache. And we'll reflect on all of those things today because what is it to be a child? What is it to be a child? Well, I was trying to figure this out this week and I thought, well, I'm going to do some research. I'm going to do some research. I've got people in front of me. I'm going to do some research at the dinner table. So we go to the dinner table and I ask this very important question and I'm going to give you the results now. Very insightful. I asked the question, what does it it mean to be a child of Sam's? And here are the three responses I got. One, painful. Another, stuck with you. And the third one, DNA. Wow. Wow. Thanks for the insights. Thanks for the love. I'm really feeling it here. That's fantastic. Is that all there is to be a child? I think there's a little bit more to it than that. And I was, after those responses, I felt justified in throwing them under the bus and telling you all about it. Or maybe it's true and that's an even worth, worse thing to contemplate. But what is it actually to truly be a child, but one thing more than that is what we're reflecting upon today in One job. What does it mean to be a child of God, and are you automatically or how does that come to be? Is it just something that you you are and it's painful and you're just stuck with it, and we've always got to wrestle with it, and it's just it's just a reality, or is there something more see wherever you're at today And and I'm sure even just at this point, for some of you, your emotions are stirred and you're feeling a little overwhelmed with the idea of thinking about um, childhood and, and being a child because it can be painful. I especially want to say to you and to all of us God has got something to say about who you can be and who you might already be for many of us a child of God, a child of God. That changes everything. That is who God's people are. And so we're going to wrestle with that just in those 10 verses. I'm not going to have slides or anything to put up there. We're just going to hear the words and reflect upon three things. What does it mean to be a child and the implications of that? We're going to have two implications after we just reflect a bit more on how it comes to be. Let me pray and then we'll get stuck into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that um, uh, Jesus is um, actually not just our um, uh, the one who saves us. Today we'll see he's our brother. We pray that we can understand what that means in greater depth. Amen. It's pretty funny that I wrote down to pray twice, isn't it? But prayer's good, so we've done that twice already. Now, have a look at verse 1 with me. We've heard it read. Scott's explained it. We're going to keep living in verse 1. I want you to go away today reflecting on how deep the love is. See, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are, John says. He's so desperate for them to see that God sees them as children deeply connected that he even ends that sentence with and that is what we are he's not just saying oh this is just a little bit of information that it's good for you to know he's saying to you you do you understand the implications of this how fantastic it is as uh, as Scott said, lavish. What a great sounding word! I don't know why it's uh, why it just sounds so great to have lavished on you. It's a spectacular word because it means that you're being bes- bestowed something generously, being given something in a lavish way, in an extraordinarily uh, overwhelming way, in a way that is more than the norm. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. He's lavished on us love he's lavished on us love but what is the love that we should be called the children of god god's love is that he calls us his children that he sees us as his children that we'll see when actually the first son makes it possible you see, it is so extravagant that we should be called the children of God because it's not just something that all of humanity should presume or just take for granted. It's something the Father, the, the one who is over all, has granted to those that are in his Son that we should be called the children of God. It's not something that we just go on presuming. It's something God decides to call us. See, as clearly as I see my kids, Ethan, Chloe and Amy, as my children, in Jesus, with greater depth, with greater love, with more intimacy, he sees you and he's calling you my child. God wants you to call him Father. When we pray, we often, the way the, uh, the, the Bible models it to us, we start our prayers with Heavenly Father. Father. Because we are, we had the privilege of talking to him. The
0: access to him
1: as one who is the ultimate dad and john's saying this to this group of christians he's addressing them um, because he wants to remind them that this is because of the eternal life that they have in the first son now for many of you you weren't here when we looked at um one one john earlier um at the end of, uh, end of last year. It was quite a while ago now. But, but before we get to chapter 3, John is consistently going over the fact that actually you have life because of Jesus and so you live in light of it. He, has this, he wants them to have confidence in the gospel because it's done. Right at the beginning in chapter 1, he talks about how Jesus was real and that people got to see and touch him. And then how does he describe Jesus in chapter 1 verse 2? The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Jesus gives life, he appeared. And in verse 3, it goes on to say, And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, the one who gives life. Isn't that extraordinary? Right at the beginning, Johnny's wanting to tell this uh, these Christians who are being challenged to walk away from Jesus because people from them have actually started to cause trouble and part of the trouble is they're saying Jesus isn't the Messiah, he's not the King, he's not the Son. And he's saying, we have fellowship, we have a relationship with the Father and his Son. So much so, the God who is light makes it possible For us to walk in that light because this son has done something extraordinary. In chapter 1 verse 7, this son, we read, it's the blood of Jesus. His son purifies us from all sin. And that is guaranteed. Jesus, the son, has given us life. And it's a spectacular thing. The life appeared. It means we can have fellowship with the Father and the Son, that is possible because Jesus stepped into our place and died for us. Just like uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, uh, where we actually spent some time where we just looked at, at those couple verses uh, in a previous talking 1 John because it explains how that works in great depth. The atonement where he took our place and dealt with God's wrath for us. The Son did that for you and I so that we can have fellowship, John says. But then we get to chapter 3, verse 1, and he describes that fellowship in an amazing way. It's not just that we have a good relationship and fellowship and now everything's at peace. He's saying this fellowship means that the father and son, you're included in it because you're now seen as sons and daughters. You are actually children of God. We are called the children of God, and his love is spectacular. Can you see how this is not just something humanity gets to declare about God? It's something that God has preciously called you, if you've received, trusted in, what the first son has done on your behalf. Deal with your sin. Isn't that spectacular? Sit in those words again. Verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. How great is this love? We should be called children of God. Brothers and sisters, We are a family because we have one Father who calls us His children. It makes the word lavish unacceptable in a way. It doesn't seem to capture enough, even though it's such a great big word. Because how can we go into the depths of the God of the universe who sees our folly and our not wanting to live in relationship with Him, take His perfect Son in our place, so that he can call us children and we can have hope. We are the children of God. And so it makes sense why at this point, before John goes on, he just kind of says, and that is what we are. Do you get that? Don't move on from it. Isn't that a brilliant thing? That we can be called the children of God. But what does it mean? I'm going to suggest it doesn't mean it's painful or that we're just stuck with him. It's more than that, I reckon. I think we see two things today. And then next week, we're actually going to see how uh, it means how we love each other because we're children of God. But for today, I want to highlight two things. To be a child means you have safety and security. And to be a child means you live in the way of that family. So let's have a look at what it means to live with the safety in security. You see, because after he's just described being a child of God in chapter 3, verse 1, he goes on to say that the world doesn't get it. That the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And then in verse 2 he says Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known but we know that when Christ appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. You see we don't become a child in the future. Have you noticed how Everything we've been talking about so far, when Ada brought up the idea that we're talking about this and Scott actually talked about um, in the kid kid spot about being a child of God and as we've been talking, it's not a future thing. This is what you could become. It is a now reality. You see how there it says, um, but we know, um, uh, dear friends, now now we are children of God. Verse 2, dear friends, now. We are children of God. Jesus has already died. You're in him. He's dealt with your sins. This is your current reality. You are a child of God now. That's why the world doesn't get it. Because there's something very different that's going on. We may just look like um, others, but the reality is far different. And what we see is that We are being transformed. And when Jesus actually comes back, the ultimate transformation, the final transformation, is that we shall be like him. We are going to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. All who have this hope, he says at the beginning of verse 3. You see, what does it mean to be a child of God? We have a hope that is guaranteed. A hope that is not reversible. Everything that needs to make it possible for us to be a child of God has happened. Everything that needs to uh, happen for us to be with him into all eternity has been done. All we do now is wait for the return of Jesus. We long for eternity because it is guaranteed. The children of God have safety and security in the hope that your transformation into being like Jesus into all eternity is guaranteed. This is the hope that we have. Being a child does actually mean you should have the blessings and love and affection of that family. It should give you security and hope. And yet how often do we hear the world's mess and it comes back to this breaking down? We have royal commissions we have family breakups as as common as there's ever as ever there's been families. We are increasingly moving away from the family unit in society. Children are increasingly being encouraged to make their decisions independent of their parents. And the government can make, help them do that. Autonomy is better than family sometimes. It's championed more and more. And while we could talk about the significance and consequences of that, I don't think that's what we'll do today. But it highlights the fact that the concept of what it is to be a child is a bit broken and distorted. And no doubt, part of it is because we do need social services because it's not always the way it should be. Far from it. If you work on the front line of child protection, of child services, or as I, I kind of did for a little while when I worked in mental health many years ago, it's hard to see how good it can be, and it's heartbreaking. We can just come a little bit closer to home and wrestle with our lives, and it can get tough. Some of us are longing a family member who we're not in the relationship we wish we were in with. There is a pain. There is a heartache that we long wasn't there. We wish it was better.
0: And that's because it should
1: not be that way. And while we long for restoration and seeing those things restored and we bring them to God, we see God Himself saying, I am your Father, and this relationship is and will be consummated and be all you hope it will be. It will not be. Jesus returns, we're in all eternity, and we get there and we go, huh, the Father's not as good as I thought he'd be. He's let me down today. Jesus, my brother, yeah, you did some good things, but now you're just really annoying me and we're not in relationship. That is never going to happen. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be spectacular. It is going to be what actually we long for in relationships and it can be yours if it's not the way john wrote this he highlighted very clearly that god that god calls you father and he calls you father when you see jesus and you trust in him We'll get to it in in, uh, in in a moment, but at the end, uh, at the end, um, we see that he says um, that the way you live is a mark of following. Um, it proves that you're a follower of uh, Jesus and that you're part of this family. But that's not how. If you today realize that this is the family that you long for. It's not now you need to prove yourself to your father. See, that's not what a a father and a son or a father and daughter or parents and their children, that's not what the relationship should be about. It shouldn't be about the kids having to tell their parents and prove to them, see how good I am this way? Now you can love me. The father sees us and says, I love you despite you. because. I want you to be in relationship with me. And it is all of us today can take that reality and embrace that God himself has made it possible. Wrestle with that. If you're not sure whether you can genuinely call God your father or not, come and chat to me, Scott Ada, a friend that's here with you. But I want to encourage you to not let any stone unturned when it comes to this amazing relationship that God is offering. Can you say, and this is what you are? You see, when you say that, the safety and security is so assured. I was thinking about the, the the Psalms uh this week and and I was thinking that David actually had a moment when he talked about God um as father in one of his Psalms or when he sung it rather it's a, a you know a song and I just love the way he highlights who our God is in Psalm 68 let me read um just a few verses to you for this and, and the point when he talks about the type of father God is you know, in the context of battles and fights that David was in as King David, he says, May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before me. May, may you blow them away like smoke. As wax melts before the fire, may the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God. Sing in, in, in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. Him, His name is the Lord. Verse 5. A father to the fatherless. A defender of widows. Is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He is the father to the fatherless. He is the one that we can rest in and have security in. See the confidence that we can have. All of one John, John is trying to tell this church whose confidence in the gospel is being ripped away by those that have come from within and saying Jesus is the Messiah. He's saying, have great confidence because you're a child of God. You have amazing security. Rest in this security. So there it is, having security as being a child of God. But as a child of God, and you rest in that security, what else does it mean? Well, it means you live as a child. You live as part of this family. Another way of putting it, I think is what John's really saying in the rest of all of the verses up to verse 10, is you don't just accept the love of the Father and all the security and privileges it gives you that it brings and not want to live as part of that family. The way the Son Jesus has gone before us is the way you're being is what you're being transformed uh, into. So live that way. It's why the world does not know us that we've already mentioned. And you see, he is saying God wants you to know that you have a way of living. You are supposed to be different, not just because you have a new identity in Him but because this identity is a totally different way of living it's living the way the father wants the perfect father and the way living the way the father wants is because the son lived perfectly and we get transformed into him so what does this look like now because we've already seen that in the future it's going to be perfect what does it mean now Well, john Tries to explain this, and as he so often does in the letter, and we can sometimes get caught up in tangles if we don't realize to emphasize his point to, to make the stark contrast. What he does is he, he uses hyperbole, he uses uh, he overstates the fact to make the point. And so, if we, if we don't get that point, sometimes we can get all caught up. So, let me let me show you what he, what he, uh, he goes on to say. You see, in verse 4, what does he say? Everyone who sins breaks the law. That's true. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he, he appears so that he might take away our sins. He's taken away our sins, Jesus has. And so he goes on to say, verse 6, here's the exaggeration to some extent. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Now, take those words. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Hang on a minute. Am I a child of God? Because I'm pretty sure I haven't got it right all the time. And then I'm not perfect. No one, he goes on to say, no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. What John is saying is, you have a totally different way of thinking. You don't keep on sinning and liking it and wanting to lean into it. You do stop sinning. You do change. He's not saying perfection. He's emphasizing the point, you have a totally different way of living. You don't just keep on doing what you did. You were walking in darkness. You were rejecting God. You've embraced his love. You want to live his way, so you don't keep on doing it. He's not saying perfection. He's emphasizing the point. You're totally changed. You hate sin. You own it when you make mistakes and get it wrong. You lean away from it, not into it. And so he says in verse 7, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Don't let those who say Jesus isn't the Messiah turn you away. The righteous see Jesus as the Messiah and want to live as he is what he is transforming you into. What does it look like now? just simply looks like wanting to live the way the father wants you to and so john even goes stronger he makes a very serious uh, strong claim in verse 8 doesn't he the one who does what is sinful is not doing very well they probably should do better is that what he says no the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Now, sometimes um, Christians and some of us can be really unhelpful in the way we interact with the world around us when we say that particular thing is of the devil and of Satan and kind of particularize one particular thing. What did John do? Did he particularize a particular thing? Or just say, actually... If you're not in relationship with Jesus and you're sinning in a way that's rejecting him, that you ignore him, that you live for something else, then that's of the devil. It's just two groups. Either with God or not. And so verse 8 goes on to say, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God He comes back to his point again. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. You will not continue in the old ways because you love the Father. You see Jesus and you think, I am now living for him. We cannot be born again and live born previously. We live as those who have embraced the Father who calls us his children. You cannot like sin. You cannot just keep doing uh, and living in the way that it is because God has given us life. And so this new life should be so self um, evident, so obvious that it's a distinguishing feature that when people see God's children, whether they like it, intrigued by it or hate it, they see the difference verse 10 this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are anyone who does not do what is right is not of God's God's child nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. You cannot you cannot love the father and then harbour resentment, wicked hatred to someone else in this room who also loves the father and think, that's okay. We may need to wrestle with where our heart's at at times. We may need to seek forgiveness. We may need restoration in relationships but we are so different. Um, we cannot be. I don't know if some of you saw it. It doesn't matter if it, uh, the cricket, but there was this bizarre um, uh, hatred from two individuals that was on, on the television, two ex-cricketers, Ian Botham and Greg Chappell. Uh, no, Ian Chappell, not Greg. Uh, Ian Chappell. Now, one's Australian captain in, uh, in the 70s, commentator for many years, Ian Botham, one of England's greatest all-rounders, and they had this blow-up, and they hated They have harbored hatred and bitterness for 30 plus years that in the end was really just two men with egos having a bit of a scuffle in a bar after a club cricket game it really wasn't that big a deal and this has become this massive massive feud and hatred and bitterness now put two children of god in that place back then who argued with each other Maybe even scuffled and pushed one another. What would they do if they have embraced the love of the Father? They would reflect upon their actions and see, for my part, I did this wrong, even though I think that there's things that they need to respond to. And I need to seek restoration. I need to at least apologise for my part and hopefully they will come and we can have true reconciliation and that can be dealt with and we can be restored in friendship. And that could be done maybe not 40 years down the track. Whereas now they're still in bitter hatred calling each other the most despicable things. What is self-evident is in the way that we love our brothers and sisters. Makes us children of God. So friends, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. We have security. Is it painful to be a child of God? Well, it was for Jesus at the cross, so that you and I can live in perfect peace and harmony into all eternity. Are we stuck with the Father and the Son? No, we want to be there. Is it just some kind of biological reality or just by the mere fact that we're human? No, it's even more precious than that. The Father sees us. Sent his Son who willingly went. And because of his love, we get to be called children of God. That is the reality that this week we can go away and rest in to contemplate more and more. Let me pray and then we're going to sing How Lavish the Father's Love for Us, or How Deep, it's lavish, isn't it? How deep is the Father's Love for Us? We will sing in a moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our prayer today is that we will just sit in this extraordinary reality that you have made us your children in Jesus. We thank you for this extraordinary love and help us never to depart from it, help us to rest in it, and help us to live as part of this family. Amen.